I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. What does the word grit mean to you? While Kate Nolan's life and career were defined by the word grit, her success story even inspired her to start a platform called Grace by Grit, which helps other women find their power, passion, and purpose. On this episode, you'll learn how to mine your own resilience and build your own grit so that you can make it happen for you as an entrepreneur or solopreneur. Hello, everyone from The Second Shift. Today, we are joined by a Second Shift member, Kate Nolan, who in 2018 founded an athletic apparel company called Grace by Grit, which she then sold. And taking all of that experience and know-how from starting to building to selling, she started a company called Face Your Grace that was founded in 2021. And it leads online workshop series for women on teaching women how to become entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, start a side hustle, whatever it is. It's like finding your purpose and your passion and figuring out how to make it work for you. So she's going to give us a mini version of her online series. Thank you so much for offering to do this for your fellow Second Shift community members. And I'm so pleased to meet you. It's great to be here, Jenny. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here too. And this is a good run through for me to make sure I know how to pitch this business. <laughs> it is my side hustle. So um, it's exciting. It's exciting to be able to share it with this community too. And you just took a full-time job, I heard. I did. I did. Yeah, I took a full-time job starting in June 1. I'll talk a little bit about that in my presentation, but very busy as of late. So definitely I'm the type of person that's the busier I am, the more productive I am. So this is perfect timing. Actually, most people actually are. Yeah. I find. So I don't know if this is in your presentation, so you can cut me off if, if it is, but you're focused obviously on the word grit. So mm-hmm. I, what, what is that? Why is that important to you? And why is it important to becoming an entrepreneur? So grit, yeah, it's become a very popular word over the last five years. Angela Duckworth certainly made it ever popular. Back in 2013, when we started Grace by Grit, as we were trying to develop what our name would be, we were really trying to embody, you know, what it was that made women so incredibly strong and so incredibly resilient. And what my business partner and I at the time felt like we had shared was that we'd had these like really gritty moments in our lives. And those gritty moments actually became our grace, hence the name graced by grit for the company, but that the word grit itself just embodied women. And it wasn't about that sprint to the finish line. It was really about that marathon and that, you know, if you can have grit, the more uh, grit you have, the more grit you'll get. And so that resilience being so incredibly key, not only to womanhood, but to entrepreneurship, certainly too. Absolutely. So it's really about just the ability to weather the storm. Got it. Going to have the ability to, like you said, be in it for the marathon, because that's what a building a business really is. And it's, it, you, you hit so many different hurdles and points where your energy is, is zapped and, I mean, we could talk about this forever. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) But I will let you get going so that people can learn from you and not from us just chatting. So take take it away. 
So I'm Kate Nolan. For those of you that are just joining, I think we saw a couple extra people added on here at the end and super excited to be part of the second shift. Ironically, I um, was accepted into second shift right around the time that I took on a full-time job. So have yet to be able to use the platform other than my interview to get onto the platform, but really found it intriguing once I found it online about a, a year prior, just in terms of what it represented and so much of what I own on the host. So face your grace is now your time. And I think today's purpose is to really talk about entrepreneurship, but I'll share a bit about my history here. So for me, I went about life a little bit differently than most of my friends. You know, I never really saw myself as an entrepreneur as a young woman. I grew up in a super amazing home, big family, and my father was a doctor. My mom was a therapist. We had lots of discussions about our feelings, whether they were bodily functions or um, actual mental health feelings. But it was never really about, a, a for me, it wasn't about entrepreneurship being an option. I don't even think that word was brought up very often at home. So I always thought, you know, I'm going to have a career. I'm going to be a businesswoman. I'm going to work for somebody else. Um, never did I imagine that I would be working for myself or creating opportunities for myself. And despite all that, I really look back and feel like, wow, I actually was an entrepreneur at a very young age. I figured out how to make extra money always with a bunch of different side hustles. I'd mow people's lawns. I babysit. I actually delivered prescriptions to old people that didn't have the ability to get into a pharmacy because I saw the opportunity there. So I was really, as a teenager, always seeing these holes and loved, loved being able to fill them as well as make the extra cash for myself. I went to college at University of Massachusetts Amherst, and I found out I was pregnant when I was 20 years old. And that was a big life-changing moment for me. One that, you know, I realized that, you know, life wasn't going to be on the same path that I, I had thought it would be. And so I had a child at my junior year of college and that, that really rerouted me in terms of when I finished school. So I finished school about eight months later than I would have. And also I just loved being a mom and I just was in love with this baby girl and just didn't quite know how to be able to take on a full-time job. And, and at the time too, if I worked, it would be all going towards a nanny. I wasn't going to be able to make any money as a recent college grad. So I figured out these fun and different side hustles all along the way while my daughter was really young. That included going back to what I loved, which was swimming. So I developed a youth swim program. I then fell in love with triathlon and um, started a master's swim program as well. And that was really just out of necessity of what I was seeing in my community. I lived in a really small house and um, was really, really organized. And myself and a, a good friend loved that we could sit and organize our um, home office and all these spaces really, really well and, and friends admired it. And so they would start to hire us. So we developed a business called Absolutely Organized that eventually grew to actually helping businesses get organized. I moved to California in 2010 with two small girls and recently single and really was trying to figure out what my next step was in a career. And by happen chance, I was at a swim program looking for swim lessons for my daughter. And they were probably pretty annoyed with me because I was asking a lot of specific questions about swimming. And they said, how do you know so much? And I said, oh, I started some programs and I'm a swim coach. And they said, we're looking for one. Well, that grew into building out 
an entire new swim program, a master's program. And then I eventually said to the gentleman running the aquatic center that they needed to hire me full time because there was such a need. Um, so I, again, I kept seeing these opportunities and holes that I felt I could fill. Did not define myself still as an entrepreneur. I had a couple of side hustles even during that time, one of which was coaching women to train for triathlon. And one of the women that hired me was a woman by the name of Kimberly Cacavo. And she and I spent a lot of time over a three-week period because she decided that she had three weeks to train for a triathlon. So we spent almost every single day together. And we talked a lot about what women were wearing while they were training. We talked about our life experience, those gritty moments that we talked about at the beginning of this. And we realized that despite our vast differences in life experience, we had this commonality of one, we felt like we'd gone through these tough moments in life that had defined us. And the other was that we had a similar outlook on aesthetic and functionality for what we were wearing when we were training and that we didn't feel like in the market there was anything out there. So we decided to start a brand called Graced by Grit. And that was really the first time that the word entrepreneur for me came up in the context that I was one. And looking back at that time of what I had already done I recognized that I had been an entrepreneur all along and that this was just a continuation of that story. Graced by Grit was an entirely different beast though for us. I dove in again. I was a single mom at the time. It was a very, it was one of those pivotal moments. I had taken a really big job. I left that aquatic center, taken this really big high paying job in downtown San Diego and I was miserable. I never saw my kids. I was working all the time. I actually got fired because the gentleman running the office just saw how miserable I think I I was. And he said, you know, you need to be doing something bigger and outside of this rote work and this sort of business casual environment that I was in. And I, at that time, called up all my previous clients, Kimberly being one of them, she's, she's here in this picture and said, you know, what am I going to do? And so Kimberly and I had talked years before about creating an athletic apparel brand. It wasn't until that moment of, you know, fall of uh, 2012 that we decided to really talk about it. And so we spent about five months doing our market research. We looked at the athleisure market. Certainly all of you know, Lululemon, they were just killing it at the time. And we realized that while we liked what Lululemon had done and really opened up the market, it wasn't quite the brand for us. We wanted something that really recognized the power of women in the community of women. And in developing the name, which we did talk about earlier, it was that power that women have of if you can get through these really gritty moments in your life, they do become your grace. And that really catapulted the brand for us. It's what drew women in. We had over 400 influencers. We, over a five-year period, we developed um, an incredible online business. We also opened up over 10 pop-up stores. We had our own brick and mortar store based in North County, San Diego. And we were really juking and driving with our business. Our biggest challenge though, was raising capital. And this was the unseasoned entrepreneur in me that didn't understand how incredibly challenging that was and was probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned in my journey with Graced by Grit. The good news was in 2018, 
just like we had set out to do, we sold our company. And that was always our plan was to try to sell our brand. And so we did. We sold it to another direct-to-consumer brand based, ironically, in North County, San Diego, that didn't have a women's product line and really wanted to expand that. So myself and the team joined the group at Highly. And I worked there for about 20 months. I then joined the board of directors and brought in another deal over the next year and made my official exit there. And over the last two years, I have done consulting primarily for female-founded businesses in the athletic apparel space or just apparel space. And it's been incredibly rewarding to give back in a way of taking that experience of the lessons learned, uh, all the mistakes I made, and also the wins I had and being able to apply it to small businesses um, and do some advisement on that level. But all along the way, I was looking for, you know, what is my next big thing? And I didn't really have any big ideas for a big business, but I was introduced to this brand, PE Nation, that is based in Australia. And so June of this year, I actually took on the position of president for North America, which is my opportunity now to use these entrepreneurial skills that I've gained all these years and actually build a business in the U.S., but the difference being is I am well-funded and I have budget to, to go out there and actually make it happen this time around. But it is very much what feels like a startup again, because the business is so small in the U.S. So there's a lot of opportunity for growth. So it's setting up a whole new business plan for the U.S. market. But along that way, what I did realize in the last two years and this was primarily due to the fact that my business partner and I, at the end of our journey for Grace by Grit, had written a book called Grace by Grit, which is the women's guide to starting a business with power, passion, and purpose. And we had so many women reaching out to us saying, I loved the book, which really was about the value systems that you should have when creating a business that we felt were really, really important. And then we share a lot of different women's stories within that book too. But we had these women reaching out saying, I loved the book, but I want to understand how to actually start the business. Like, how do I take my idea and turn it into something? And so my former business partner and I, Kimberly, put our heads together and thought, you know, if we had had a roadmap and a step-by-step -step guide to starting our business, it would have, A, got a speed to market so much faster. We would have, you know, entered the market a lot quicker. But beyond that, I think it would have laid out a really great plan that we could have followed in our entire journey. So we decided to go for it. So I spent a lot of my early mornings writing and coming up with this step-by-step -step guide. And so we hired our third partner who was a gentleman that we worked with. His name is Jim Breen um, that we had worked with while we were with Grace by Grit that created a lot of content and product videos, et cetera, for us because we knew he was the mastermind behind production. And that was something that we could not do despite technology today. Doing it on our cameras was just not where we wanted it to go. So we hired him so we could really have a highly produced video workshop series. And so that that is exactly what Face Your Grace is. So Face Your Grace, you can find it at faceyourgrace.com. It's a multimedia business planning series that does include videos, podcasts, books, and workbooks. We spent the majority of the pandemic recording all of this content. So we really take you through the um, steps that you need to start your business. And we have currently right now, the, the side hustle is up and live. The small business goes live next week. And then we'll be developing the enterprise edition, which will launch in 2023. 
but I'll just walk you through what you can get out of the different programs. So for example, the side hustle program, once you're logged in, you actually will go through each one of these sections where you're not only watching us talk about the idea you know, whether or not you should have a business partner or you should be a solopreneur. How do you name your business? How do you figure out your branding and create branding guidelines? How do you figure out what your startup costs are and how do you get that business started in terms of funding it? And so we take you through videos that talk through all of these things, but then you have a coinciding workbook that is live online that you read through. And then there's exercises at the bottom of it that help sift through every single part of this. So that by the time you complete the program, you actually have your entire business plan ready to go for you to start that business. And just to dive a little bit deeper with the idea, it does take you through, you know, how do you do the market research? How do you determine if your idea is worth something? What does that competitive landscape look like? How do you figure out your price point and in all of those different things? So those are just some of the examples of the exercises that you'll find in there. But just going back here, I do think this is really a unique time to be an entrepreneur. We understand how many women left the workforce during the pandemic and that they really were not willing to go back and continue to work the same way that they were. Obviously, insert second shift and what what that opportunity is. But I think within second shift, it's such an opportunity to treat consultancy and projects as if you're an entrepreneur. So how do you treat that side of your life as an entrepreneur and almost as if it's its own business. And so I do feel like the side hustle and the small business platforms are great tools to also use if you're just looking to develop a consultancy based on your skill set. But beyond that, we do know that there have been, you know, challenges for women for equity, certainly as of late and um, what's being taken away from us, but that the opportunity is for women to get out there and to create businesses to create a more equitable world. And one of the things that I always like to say is I'm really sick of trying to get a seat at the men's table. And so I'm going to make a table of my own and I'm going to invite who I want at it. And I think that for me really defines a lot of what entrepreneurship represents. It's that ability to say, this is how I'm going to do things. This is how I'm going to run my business. This is how I'm going to treat my employees. And this is who gets to be a part of it. And it's no longer trying to fight sort of the patriarchy that exists that I think a lot of us are fatigued by and instead creating our own paths and our own journeys, especially because there have been so many uh, changes in technology and our ability to work in an unconventional way than we have before. And I think because of that too, there's it's been highlighted the opportunities within technology, within different sectors that I think women could thrive in if they create businesses. I think, you know, a lot of women get stuck in this, like, I have an idea, but I like don't really know how to start it. And so how do I even just get that going beyond going through the program? Like, how do I just like take that first step into thinking about like starting a business? And so this is a really simple, I think somewhat, it seems basic, but at the end of the day, I think it gives really some nice actionable items for you. So it's just like 10 simple steps, write down what, you know, why do you want to have a business? And I would look that over and say, is this a reason to actually start one? You write down your vision, you figure out where you're spending your extra time now, and then carve out what that time could look like if you devote it towards creating your business. And I think this one is really interesting, which is number five, which identify the five most significant things you need to do to start your business. I think once you do that, 
then start to chip away. We say, take two of the things, right? And just get those done right away. Then, you know, you've got three more to do, but it's that, you know, every day sort of taking a step towards it will get you there. I often hear from entrepreneurs. It's so overwhelming. All the things I have to do are so overwhelming. And what I always say is break it down, like take your list and say, okay, these are the three things I'm going to accomplish today. Tomorrow morning, you're doing the same thing. And you'll realize that you're slowly chipping away at everything versus that that overwhelming feeling of it. One of the taglines that I always like to say is just make it happen. Because I do think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to you making it happen. And so that is the gist of the Face Your Grace program. So I do believe we all have the power, passion, and purpose within us to become entrepreneurs. It's about really just taking that first step of saying, this is what I want to do, and then truly making it happen. And you can find Face Your Grace in all these great places. You can email me personally if you have any questions about the program itself, hateitfaceyourgrace.com. You can check us out at faceyourgrace.com. And then also we're on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. Kate, this is awesome. So just hearing your own personal story was so interesting because, I mean, beyond just the things that you've had the grit to persevere through, it seems like you're really good at sort of being open to different opportunities as they come along and not have like, didn't seem like you had like this overarching plan that you were working towards. You kind of went with the, where your life was and seized the opportunities that came up based on what you had the ability to do at that time and how you could make it work for you. And it's not about like, I started this business. It's like, what, what can I do right now? So true. And I think that's the, you know, sort of the flexible mindset of an entrepreneur, right? It's like, you have to be an opportunist to be an entrepreneur. You have to always be looking at things that are coming your way and figuring out, you know, what can I do with that? And that can be anything from like an idea to like a relationship with someone that you've come into contact with of like, huh, how can this potentially work for me? And I think when, you know, when I think back to being 21 years old and having my daughter, you know, it's interesting because I really did have a sort of a prescribed way of what I thought my life would look like. I was like, I'm going to graduate college and then I'm going to get a job in marketing. And then I want to become a leader that went out the window. It was sort of like, Whoa, my life has totally turned itself upside down. That path that I thought I would have is not going to be the path. And I think that's where my flexibility started to that practice of flexibility really started to happen. And it is a practice, right? It's like, it's really hard when you have expectations for yourself and you don't meet them or like something derails you and you're like, shoot, I got to pivot and sort of go this way. And that's not really where I thought I was going, but I think that is a practice. And the more those things sort of happen and the more that mindset happens for you, the better entrepreneur you are. Let's talk about fear and self-confidence though. Cause I would imagine in those moments when you're alone or, you know, I don't know what your circumstances were, but you're raising a baby, your plans have gone out the window and you're trying to figure out what's the next plan. Like there's a lot of fear that's got to be a huge factor in planning out your life or just, you know, where you are emotionally Mm -hmm. and then having the self-confidence to be like, okay, I can do this. I can make it work. You know, that's sort of like the recipe for having grit. And Mm -hmm. how did you find that within yourself to be able to say like, I can do this. I can become a coach. I can start a program. I got it. I think it's in the power. The power is in the doing, 
right? I often think like, and we talked about this in my book because I think this, that it goes back to like, almost like that's the practice, right? Of, you know, fear was, I mean, fear was so prevalent when I found out I was pregnant and I was like, whoa, my life, you know, I've disappointed my parents or I've done all these things, right. That have totally rerouted what people, where people thought I was going, let alone where I thought I was going. And so that fear was really overwhelming. And in a lot of ways it, for a while, it created some paralysis for me. And I think that's significant for me during that time period. But I think that happens so often for women too, of like, maybe you lost a job or you lost a spouse or a family member, you know, has passed away and it completely pivots your life or the way the dynamics exist within a family. And I think those moments are when you really can figure out yourself and push through to the other side. And that that's when the practice starts, right? Of like, okay, I got the confidence because I became a mom and realized the gift that that was and that like, I could do that. Like everyone was like, you're so young. Like, you know, I had so many people that were naysayers or they would see me and I looked really young when I was 21 too. I mean, it probably looked like I was like 15. So there was like a lot of, you know, judgment that sort of came my way. And my confidence came in the fact that I was a great mom and I loved it and I reveled in it. And I also found other things to do that provided for my family in a way that I didn't think I was going to. And so that was the practice of getting past that fear that created the confidence. And it is in the doing. It's like how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? So if you can live like that, I think what you'll find is it becomes easier to get over that every time. I mean, I still have fear. It's like right now I am growing PE Nation in the U.S., right? How is it going to be received? Are my strategies going to be what the shareholders want to see for the U.S.? Is my feedback going to be taken well, right? I have to grow a team. What if I hire a team that isn't successful or I have some challenging dynamics? I mean, those are all things that go through my head, but it's in the doing of literally doing those things that I can get past it and get to the other side where I'm like, oh, that's working out. I'm confident about that. Or by the way, that didn't work out. And now I know, and I can pivot and I've made mistakes before, because by the way, that's the whole entrepreneurial journey. I mean, you're going to make a ton of mistakes. You're going to have failures. You're going to hear no a lot. And I think that is the resilience too. I mean, when you talk about that, I had just a side note story, but we pitched our business to a local group and accelerator program where we would potentially be able to get some angel investment. And it was a group of about 30 people, 28 of which were men. And we got denied because they thought, and this was some of the feedback was the name would not resonate with women. There was too much competition in the marketplace, as we all know right now. I mean, how much competition is out there for athletic apparel and the market's only getting bigger. So why not, why not continue to provide apparel? And more importantly, I got that I should be standing in front of the podium and not behind it because I had nice legs. So that happened. Yeah. But you know, like that was for me, that was like the motivation, right? Like I heard all that and we got rejected. And like uh, that comment was so off-putting and so wrong on so many levels. And it like really motivated me to be like, I'm going to prove them all wrong. We're going to get this right. They don't even know what they're talking about. And I'll tell you what, when we opened our store, I had four of those gentlemen come to our store opening and apologize and say, they were wrong because not the one that told me to stand in front of the podium, by the way, but they said they were wrong because all their wives loved our products here. So it was, you know, they didn't understand the women's market and they thought they knew. So I just, yeah, you seem to have like an amazing amount of optimism. And I think that my experience of being an entrepreneur is like, you have to just have relentless optimism and you have to just 
assume it's all going to work out. No matter what, it's going to work out. And if it doesn't work out, it wasn't meant to work out, but it will work out. It will continue. It will still work out. Yep. So, you know, well, and that's true. And I think that's when when you don't get the hire or the funding, you're like, okay, I felt devastated at the time. And you're like, but actually when you like take a, you know, a little bit farther down the path and you've done something else, then you look back on it. You're like, "Mm, that was actually better. Yeah. It's so true. And I think it's funny you say that sometimes I don't feel very optimistic. I mean, I think my overarching outlook is optimism. I prefer to look at the glass half full and that is a choice. I mean, there's days where I'm like, ugh, you know, especially in the throes of graced by grit, I was exhausted. I had full burnout. I mean, I had to have a surgery and that set me back. I mean, I had all sorts of stuff that happened and I had two small children at the time. Um, and you know, I was always on the road trying to promote the brand. And so really was missing opportunities with my family, you know, and I hadn't quite figured out that balance. And I think so much of the optimism now comes from the experience in the past, right. Where I'm like, things do work out. You know, I do feel like I went through that journey and I found so many lessons in it that are applicable now because I was willing to be open-minded about learning. And I think that's part of the journey itself. Let's talk about funding because you mentioned how you had a hard time with it. And it was one of the lessons that was an obstacle that you learned. And it's an area where I think we've a generation of entrepreneurs has a vision in their head of like what it means to start a business. And, you know, you need all this money and there's venture capital and there's fundraising and there's so many different ways to go about doing it. And it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not like one size fits all because there's so many strings attached. What was your experience and what do you tell women who are looking to start a business and maybe don't want to go down that path or, you know, what's the like, danger sign of fundraising or advice that you give? I mean, the advice I give is don't take on investment until you absolutely need to. And by absolutely needing to, that can come in a variety of different forms. I think for a lot of businesses, there isn't a whole, you know, for technology businesses, for example, and for software or for apparel companies, I mean, you do need cash up front in order to be able to sell product, right? And so you do require funding. And I think being really smart and strategic about A, who you get that funding from and the timing of it is really critical. And so that's so why it's so essential to understand like what are your startup costs to get something going? And then what is that roadmap to, you know, profitability and or a place where it would maybe be more beneficial to get funding down the line. So what I always tell people is if you have capital that you can invest yourself into your business, it's always best to do that because A, it's proof of concept. So you're proving that the money is actually going towards something and that you believe in it enough, because especially when you need to go out and raise that capital, a lot of investors want to see that you have something on the line for it as well. From my experience, I was, I mean, there was no opportunity for me to invest my own capital. It was just my own sweat equity that went into it. So at the time, my business partner put the seed money into our business so that we could brand it and come up with our first round of production. And then from there, we did a friends and family round, which is very common. And that's where you, you know, genuinely go out to your friends and family and say, I've got this business idea. Do you have a way to invest in it. And, you know, what I always say to people is go to the people that understand that if they invest, 
they most likely will not be getting anything back. And that's not to say that your business won't succeed, but often unsophisticated investors have an assumption that that return will happen a lot quicker than it does. And it creates a lot of headaches down the line when you do that. So we did have the opportunity to go after seasoned investors. So that was really, really critical for our initial growth and to really build out our inventory as well as build out our storefront. Um, And then there's all sorts of different ways nowadays to raise money. So, you know, some of the more traditional ways like venture capital, for example, I mean, the statistics, unfortunately, are not improving significantly right now for female founded companies. I think it's something like 4% of female founded ventures actually get VC investment a year. And I think that number did rise in 2022. And I think a lot of that was the highlighting of how inequitable Um, funding is right now. But what it also opened up is some different ways to do it. So there's iFundWomen is a great resource where that's crowdfunding. And crowdfunding is where you can, anybody can invest. So let's say I'm creating something, I'm creating a business and I want to raise capital. I can send it out to my community and people can invest. They get a piece of the pie for it, but they don't have to be a actual accredited investor, meaning that you don't have to have a net worth of over a million and be making over $200,000 a year. So for a lot of people, that is also another inequitable part, especially for women where they can't be investors. Crowdfunding opens up that opportunity, but it also allows you to have a huge pool of people that have invested in you. And I consider those people to be your brand ambassadors where they're out there, then they want to see it succeed because of their own investment too. So, I mean, I could go on and on. Funding is a huge part of building a business and understanding it. And we actually do talk about this in our small business. So it goes through every single type, but my number one, number one recommendation is do not take on investment until you absolutely need to. Otherwise your job will be managing investors. Something I like that you pointed out earlier is the idea that being an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you have a business that needs investment. Like that's one type of business, but you can be an entrepreneur and think of yourself as one, even if it's just, if it's a you being a consultant, you starting a small business on your own, you creating a side hustle. It's the thought process. It's not the ability to have created a product that sells or to have had raised money and changing the paradigm of how we think about what it means to be an entrepreneur, how it, you think about your own personal journey. You, you could be a second shift member. You could be out working jobs, and but you have to think of yourself, your branding, your story, the way that you ha- tackle every day as if it's a company you're building and you are the company. It's so true. And I think having that mindset I think will make you more successful because it helps you almost in a way to brand yourself as a business, right? Like what is the, what is my business model as a consultant and as a project-based worker that will allow me to succeed? That will, you know, what is my own personal growth plan, right? Like how many clients do I want to have? What's my, my revenue that I, what's my income that I want to hit every single year. And I think mapping it out and treating your consultancy as its own business will help provide you with that roadmap too. And it might help you to create templates that are really, really helpful to make efficiencies within your own consultancy. So, you know, you're a smarter worker, not necessarily a worker that's spending more time on doing it. It's great advice. And I really appreciate your time. I like all of the the messages that you're telling people on how to think about their careers and their life and where they're putting their effort. And, and just, you know, 
don't get caught up in any negativity, being really positive about things. And you never know where anything goes. I mean, I'm sure when you started your practice being a, you know, a swim coach, you didn't think that you were going to wind up creating an apparel line. And a lot of it is also the idea that you don't have to know what the finish line is just to get started. You don't have to know because you can't know it's going to change 12 times. And so just do the thing that you want to do that's in front of you and chip away at it. And you don't have to decide again, people come and they'll like, I have this idea for this giant product. And it's going to require all this time and money and funding. And it's like, okay, well, how do you start smaller? How do you start in a consult as a consultant? How do you start it on the side? How do you do things that could ultimately maybe get you to that goal, but it doesn't have to be that thing first. It's so true. And when you talk to entrepreneurs, I mean, I've been on so many different panels and things like this, where I listen to other entrepreneurs and I, feel like what we all feel is it's the journey that's the most meaningful part. It's not the end result. So like, was I driving towards selling grace by grit? Absolutely. What do I love the most about that entire thing? It wasn't the selling of my company. It was the entire process of it. It was the women I got to work with, the community I got to build, the products I got to create, the lessons I learned along the way. I mean, I didn't even know how to sew a button on a shirt when I started an apparel brand. So it's like, there was there was a lot there, but it really is that journey that like at the end of the day, like I look back and I'm like, I would love to go back and have like one day where I'm like that drive that you have and that like excitement that you feel of like making it happen and that you get to dictate it. It's not like some boss saying like, hey, we've got these goals that we have to hit. Like you're defining the goals for yourself. That is the coolest thing ever, in my opinion. On that note, I will say (laughs) Thank you. Wrap it up. I really appreciate your time. I know that everyone who is going to participate in your workshops is going to, you know, get the benefit of all of this experience and the enthusiasm that you have towards helping women create their own best lives, best stories. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you to everybody who joined us. And thanks everyone. This was a, a great experience. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.